It's Tuesday. Do you know where your customers are? I am Scott Smith for Gartner ThinkCast, and it's getting harder and harder to answer that question because your customers are disappearing. Not necessarily going away, but rather fading away. Luckily for us, Gartner analyst Jenny Sussan has agreed to appear on our program to solve the mystery of the disappearing customer. Jenny, welcome. Thank you for having me. So let's get right to the heart of the matter. What do you mean by the disappearing customer? Sure. So this is a piece of our Maverick research that we did this year. And the reason that I say that is what we do with the Maverick program is we take these unconventional thoughts, these things that lie outside the bounds of what's commonly held belief, and say, actually, this could happen, and I'm going to prove it. And this was actually really provable. So uh, the premise, the hypothesis that we went into this with is customers are becoming increasingly aware of privacy violations. Governments are taking steps to protect their constituents. If all of that were to happen, if there was this perfect storm What would happen to all of the CRM and customer experience and customer analytics investments we've been making over the past couple of decades, right? It's going to be about $40 billion a year in software costs for CRM software in the coming years. And that doesn't include all of your experience apps. Is that wasted money, right? Are those records actually going to be available to you and for you or will customers individually and governments make it so that we can't store the same type of customer data we used to. You touched a little bit that we're starting to move in this direction. Certainly uh, Europe and the European Union comes to mind. We've seen it with Google and the Mm -hmm. right to not be found and so forth, various court cases. What's driving this trend? Sure. Europe is certainly much more privacy aware than we are here, but they're not the only ones who have, and here's the U.S., I should say, they're not the only ones who have this right to be forgotten, right? RTBF. The right to be forgotten is present across, I believe South Africa has it. There's also some right to be forgotten laws in Asia as well. And the idea is that there's just way too much data being collected on individual people. And there are various reasons for that, right? The internet isn't free thing. You know, content's not free. It certainly plays a part in that. But I think people are just becoming more aware of it as there's these little privacy violations over time, right? I'm talking about you're browsing the internet and you see an ad for a site you were on two sites ago, right? Something happens to us every day. I'm talking about a targeted email that comes your way because you are a young female living in the Northeast. So all of these types of targeting techniques, the way that data on us is collected and then reconciled is getting to a degree where it's actually really accurate. (laughs) And that's why people are noticing, right? You don't notice a privacy violation until it happens. People could be using your data and people are using your data however they want until they do something dumb, you don't notice. It's when they make a bad decision that privacy violations become known and it's happening more and more often. It's something I'm sensitive to when you have the name Scott Smith. It's very easy to get lost in the internet. It's very easy also to be, let's say, uh, wrongly cross-referenced on the internet. I would argue we should all name our children Scott Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Now now you're just giving my parents fuel for the fire. No, let's not go there. So, (laughs) Now, I want to dive into more of the implications for what it means for organizations and how we can address this going forward. First of all, you had a term in the research that really caught my eye. 
What is a crypto party? Oh my God, I'm so happy you asked about that. So I did this research with a couple of colleagues. My one colleague, Ed Thompson, British guy, he he covers customer experience. Bart Willemson, he's Dutch and he's our privacy analyst. And Mike Rawlings, he's an American-based analyst who covers data and data management and data and analytics. And we're all sitting around talking about this and Bart goes, yeah, I mean, look at the crypto parties that go on. And the rest of us are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what what crypto parties? So we end up looking into it. And essentially, it's almost, he was initially describing it to us as, you know, like Tupperware parties that people have. Like you come over, it's a Tupperware party, and you buy the Tupperware. It's kind of like that, is somebody hosts this privacy party. It's how to protect yourself online. And these are actually happening, by the way. You can, like, go to the website. You can look up crypto parties. And there's a whole website about where they're being hosted and when. And yes, there are these people who are these independent leaders of crypto parties, and essentially everybody gets together at a location and they say, hey, here's a course on how to protect your information online. And they have these standard lessons, but they can also come up with these group lessons and use it as a peer-to-peer educational opportunity. And it's incredibly interesting because we thought that this was something that was maybe just happening in the Netherlands and it was odd, and so that's why Bart knew about it. It's actually happening all over the world, and Germany leads, no surprise. Uh, so yeah, so Germany's leading the way on that. But there are crypto parties in the U.S. and in India across Europe. It's incredibly interesting. I highly recommend going to look into it. So let's turn to the implications of what it means for us as enterprises, as organizations, because you use the term, there could be that perfect storm coming where government steps in, where people rise up and say, mm-hmm. I just don't want my information out yeah. there. Information is not just becoming, it's become the lifeblood of organizations and how we do business and how we interact on a corporate and professional level. What are the implications for us as there's this rise of people trying to disappear, as it were? Sure. So we use a lot of customer data and everything we do as organizations. So in sales cycles, when we provide customer support, when we perform targeted marketing, when we provide billing statements. There's customer data that informs all of that. And over time, we've developed more accurate ways to do it, which speeds up sales cycles, which increases our average handle time for customer support cases, which allows for more targeted marketing, which leads to better leads, which leads to more sales, right? We've gotten better at all of this stuff over the years. Now, imagine if you take it all back and you say, hey, you get a 1990 CRM system right? You're not going to store anything aside from email, address, phone number, and that's all you've got. So now what happens when a customer calls? What happens when a customer calls is you need to spend three to five minutes verifying their ID. You need to get an entire customer history from them again. You have no idea what channels they've visited before, and the customer ends up frustrated. And so you say, well, then wouldn't customers want you to have their data? And they do if it benefits them. But the problem is it's been so heavily abused that they're kind of like, you know what, forget it, right? In the concept of this disappearing customer, they've had it and they're done. And they would rather have to go through that with you every single time. They would rather be permanently frustrated with the organizations they do business with than have you abuse their data. And so, again, a lot of the processes that we've been developing over the years to get to know our customer better, to increase our revenue and improve our operations, if all of that goes away, again, we set ourselves back, you know, two, three decades. 
We're talking with Gartner analyst Jenny Susson about the research she helped uh, create on the disappearing customer, part of the Gartner Research Maverick series. Uh, Jenny, I want to look now at what we can do, and let me start with this question. Mm-hmm. What is the worst way we can respond to this? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting way of framing it. So what's the worst way you can respond? I mean, the worst way that we can respond to it is by saying, okay, well, we need to collect more data and analyze more data so that we can make sure that everything we're doing is targeted and right and perfect. And I don't know that that's the right idea. I think that instead what we need to look at is what is the root source of the problem that we're having? And the root source of the problem that we're having is not accuracy, right? More data implies that the root source of the problem is accuracy. That's not the problem. The problem is overstepping. (laughs) The problem is people don't trust you anymore. And so when we start talking about what can you do, it's figuring out that that root source is trust and figuring out how we go through rebuilding trust and understanding trust as our corporate currency and trust as our brand and, you know, working on making sure that we have proper access controls to customer data sets that exist within different systems, you know, from an IT perspective, we could go there. It's also educating people about the appropriate and inappropriate use of customer data. And I think those are the types of things that we can tangibly do to bring us in the right direction and to rebuild that customer trust without saying, let's collect more data, let's try to be more accurate. I was just going to ask you what the next question was going to be, what should we be doing? You hit upon some of that. So let me phrase it this way. Since it's not necessarily an issue of getting more data, but rather how we utilize the data, Mm -hmm. what is it you found that the customers, the users, expect us to be doing with that data to strike this fine line, to have this happy medium between we know about them, but we don't know everything about them? Right. And so this gets back to some research that we'd done years ago, and we kind of repeated and reinforced here in this research around customer expectations for data privacy. And it's not that customers don't expect you to collect stuff. They do, and that's fine. But you need to use it in a way that benefits them. So they want relevant offers. They want each communication to be something that benefits them equally or more than it benefits you. And I think that idea of this reciprocal relationship is something which becomes critically important when we talk about preventing customers from disappearing, right? What customers want from you is to be treated with respect, right? To be be treated like people and not like objects and data that's just being exchanged on some open market. And so it's important to recognize that there are relevant times to use data and there are times where you shouldn't. This gets into the whole idea of what's the creepy line, right? When do you overstep? And just figuring out, you know, what would you want as a customer? What is their intent in dealing with you? And why would they want you to utilize this data? Or when would they want you to leave it alone? Jenny, thank you very much. Gartner Research Vice President Jenny Susson helped create the presentation on The Disappearing Customer, part of the Gartner Research Maverick Insight series, which explores some of the more controversial but impactful trends in technology and business. You can learn more about the Maverick series at Gartner.com. And make sure to check out our many Gartner ThinkCast conversations with the top IT experts and newsmakers at Gartner.com slash podcasts. And dive even deeper into the topics most important to you with the Gartner webinars. 
which you'll find at Gartner.com slash webinars. For Gartner ThinkCast, I'm Scott Smith. Thanks for listening.